This podcast is recorded in front of an unwitting audience. This is True Crime Kent. Yeah. True Crime Kent. Hey. Hey, it's me, the up. Oh, hey, what's up, man? Oh, not much. Just wondering if you wanted to maybe, like, knock out an episode real quick. Uh, yeah, I could do that. I actually have a pretty good idea for one. Oh, really? What's it about? Look, man, before we do that, I, I need to tell you something. Oh, okay. I feel like I feel like me and Jack are rough on you sometimes. From time to time, it's not really you. It's me, man. I think sometimes your intelligence is just a bit... Um, intimidating to me, and and instead of being proud that you would consider me as a partner in this whole wait, so you're you're saying I'm smart? Well, yeah, but I was also trying to apologize for yeah. Keep keep going about the smart and and what you what you what what you were saying. Yeah, you you're an intelligent guy. You're also funny to a lot of people, and that gets a bit. Yeah, I'm smart and funny. <laughs> what would you say about my looks? Would you say? Uh, uh, I don't know, man. I'm I'm just trying to apologize for I so so many awards today. I don't know what you're talking about with getting frustrated at all with me. I've never picked up on any of that. What I'm hearing though is that you think I'm incredibly intelligent, hilarious, and unbelievably oh, handsome. Never mind. Ne- never mind. I I tried. At least I can say I tried. Don't worry about it. We've got a we've got a good episode lined up today, Op. Don't worry about it. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Keep going about the hangings. Uh, Decapitations, electrocutions, lethal injections. We're covering the various ways us humans have ended each other since the inception of capital punishment. But today we're not focusing on where these things went right in those instances. Today we're focusing on where those things went horribly, horribly wrong. No worries though. Either way, heads are going to fucking roll. Recording has initiated. Twenty-four hours before a death row inmate is to be executed, they are placed in a private cell next to the execution chamber and closely monitored. This is called the Death Watch. It's not uncommon for the condemned to attempt to take matters into their own hands in the final hours, and on the rare occasion that they do, cutting their wrists, hanging themselves, or swallowing a handful of stowed-away tranquilizers, Every effort is made to save the prisoner. In some cases, they go so far as to bring them back to life, only to put them back down, properly, this time. Though, of course, nothing is ever proper or perfect about death. The system tries to be decent as the clock runs out, allowing additional visitation from whoever the inmate wishes to see. They will enjoy near unrestricted phone privileges, mainly to be in touch with attorneys who will work non-stop for a stay of execution during these final hours. Prisoners will have access to a shower, a toilet, a television, 
In the past, for many of the condemned, a final meal was on their mind. But this privilege has been so historically abused that some prisons have removed this right. The result being that the last meal often ends up being whatever is on the menu on that particular day. Instant mashed potatoes, corn, something resembling meat, a pudding cup. What does it matter, though? Really? For the most part, the final hours are dedicated to repentance. A spiritual advisor is provided, and many a meal sits cold as the prisoner warms up to the idea of God. When it's finally time, and the stone-faced guards come in, there's no way around it. Many go quietly, resigned to their fate. Others kick and scream and cry, maybe piss themselves. A harmless act, as they will have been fitted with a diaper before execution. They may say some last words, if they're feeling up to it. A privilege we all imagine we'll get to have one day, but... In truth, it's rare, rare to know exactly when you'll be leaving. And a surprising amount of those given the right to have a final say are left speechless. The enormity of what is before them maybe makes the faltering present and irretrievable past seem suddenly too significant to make right with empty platitudes. The moments leading up to the end are heavy, and every prisoner will handle their impending death in their own way. Some with bravado, others with defiance. A few in the purest way, the aforementioned way, the way every single one of us will end up in the final seconds. Full of fear for the unknown, full of awe in knowing it's about to consume them, this unknown. Every condemned man or woman who gets strapped down or strung up is only moments away from learning life's greatest mystery. And it's a solemn time. There's a sense as the seconds tick down that a crossroad is coming to surface. The preparations are being made, not just in the death chamber, but beyond the veil of physical reality as well. On occasion, that phone will ring. Yes, it happens. That cruel, silent telephone on the wall that's been willed to life on the rarest of occasions will come singing to the rescue and delay death. But more often than not, the clock runs out, and it's on with the show. Curtains up, and almost all in attendance begin praying for this horrible thing to end quickly. Though it rarely does, even the most flawless execution will seem to take an eternity. Time is kind of funny that way. And for the few that endure the so-called botched executions, time is hilarious. All right, Op, you've probably put two and two together already and realized that today we're covering botched executions, a topic that not a lot of true crime podcasts ever touch on, and by that I mean all of them have done to death, so we figured, wow, what the hell, we'll do it too, right? <laughs> done to death <laughs> like that now we usually yeah now we usually kick it off with a personal story but i've never been executed i'm not i'm gonna go out on a limb and say you've never been executed i haven't i tried to well i haven't really tried to kill myself before some may think i broke my neck and back and all in different incidents and 
had a heart attack and stuff. So I've come close, but nobody's like kill, tried to kill me. If you yet. had a heart attack, you kind of tried to kill yourself. Yeah, in a way, self-imposed. Yeah, sure. just the longest suicide <laughs> ever. Twenty-two year suicide. <laughs> When somebody asks me what I'm doing, whenever I order a Big Mac, I look them in the eye and seriously go, fucking killing myself. I don't have the balls to use a gun. So so here I am with this double, double-barreled double burger. He put that burger to his head and pulled the trigger. Uh, country music. Anyways, so what are your views? I don't want to... I don't want to get off on a touchy subject with our audience and cause divisiveness or anything like that. So we'll try to tap dance around this. And and I just want to say, what are your views on capital punishment? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Let's just let's just skirt right around the heavy heavy hitting ones and go right to capital punishment. Yeah, no problem. What are my views? Uh, capital punishment for me falls in a category where I am like, that is why I'm happy we have states in the United States because each state is sort of like a different person, you know, different belief set, maybe different way of operating, and. The states are are allowed to kind of determine their views on capital punishment, and I I think that's a good way to go because a peep as a people that are separated into states, I like I like that a people can decide for themselves within a state or or a region what they what they think. Personally, I'm I have no problem with it. Okay, so you're just kind of you're on the fence. Yeah, it's it's kind of whatever with you. I'd, I'd say kill him. <laughs> no, you know, I just wanted to get a straight I'll, I'll answer out of you. Yeah, I'll clarify. I think the I think the beauty of our the beauty of our laws is that capital punishment should be used in appropriate fashion. So you know, I, I'm not black and white on yes or no because I think it really should be left up to the situation, basically the civil laws or laws of the state. So right, I'm I'm for it. Okay. Well, I feel like. I am against capital punishment, and it's not for the reason that I think most people are against capital punishment. I am anti-capital punishment because I'm pro-suffering. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> it pisses me off, the idea that a, that a child rapist and murderer or whatever, I, I'm more lenient with just like regular murders that maybe killed the guy that his wife was cheating on him with in an act of anger or something you know like just put throw the guy in jail for 25 30 years yeah but like especially in cases where the victims are children i'm really pro torture and unusual punishment (laughs) and my issue with capital punishment is that it's quick and painless and we're not 100 percent sure as far as i'm concerned we're not 100 percent sure if there's a hell yeah so i know you have different views Every, every listener has their own views on this sure but i'm on the fence with hell I don't know what's there after. I don't want to roll the dice and there not be anything there. And then <laughs> that person just is, their suffering is over. Yeah. I don't like that idea. Yep. I want them, if they're going to get executed, and I'm pro-capital punishment as long as torture is involved. <laughs> I want them to experience fear and suffering and I don't want it to be quick, and that's my issue with capital punishment. I like it. Is that it's I like it too damn quick. Yeah, and see, I, I'm that way. I, my my views on capital punishment would be situational, right? Like, um, 
Right. That's why I wouldn't be black and white because I, oh man, geez, can you imagine just how many cases have been reversed due to DNA in the past, you know, pick, pick, past 10 years? How many people we would have executed had it been a very black and white situation with capital punishment as opposed to more case by case or situation by situation? So, I mean, for, for that reason, plus uh, also the suffering reason, you know, I'll even say I agree with you, but for a different reason. Um, uh, like, I don't know. I mean, and I don't want to, I'm not giving killers a pass here, but my, my opinion is this life is for us to learn, right? And to check out early isn't part of the plan, I don't think. So, so learning through your mistakes would require you to live until you die. And, I, for that reason, I like that. And, and if there, if, if it were to come around to, I'm also glad I'm not the final judge, you know, in heaven or a hell situation. So if it were to come around where that person was penitent for what they did and everything, regardless of how the rest of us view it here on earth, you know, I'm, I'm all for that too. You know, if, if, if they get healthy mentally somewhere in prison or some other time in their life, okay. You know, it gets sorted out on the other end. I, to answer your question, I know I'm making this long-winded, but my view on hell isn't like devils and lava and stuff. I don't think that's realistic. Yeah, either. my view on hell is actually more kind of a top-down look. Like, have you remember as a kid? Did you ever have one of those situations where you saw people doing something and it just ached because you couldn't do that? You you weren't included. Give me, give me an example. Okay. Well, the the Hollywood version would be like Tiny Tim looking through the window at the family eating the the meal, you know, and he's freezing cold and he's gimpy and poor and all that, you know. But he's looking through the the window, looking at the family having the Christmas goose meal, and they're all warm and happy and cheerful and all that, you know. That that ache that he would have being not not having not not being included in that, right? You know. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. I think hell is sort of that kind of a view. It's a top-down look where if if we mind our P's and Q's and we're good people, we, we can gain more joy. And our hell will be because we see what other people have gained because they've worked hard at being a good person. And we have a regret, sort of a burning from the inside out. You know, you hear fire and brimstone. Well, burn, brim, brimstone burns from the inside out, actually, not from the outside in. So it's not like hell's burning you. It's a, it's a fire that you consume yourself, really, because you realize you have a full awareness of kind of what you've done and everything. And for that reason, if hell does exist, I hope it's effective for killers because you know they're they should be burning from the inside, you know, inside out for a long time. You have a lot more educated and intelligent answer <laughs> to what hell is. I just think hell is you're alone in a padded black room with an old box style television, <laughs> and it's streaming nothing but Tyler Perry movies. <laughs> And the Pearl Harbor movie by Michael Bay <laughs> for eternity, See, forever. That's also a hell. I can get right on board with you there, brother. Well, one final question. If you had to be executioner, so if you had to be the, the judge, jury, and executioner, like maybe Sylvester Stallone and Judge Dredd, but I don't know, more gritty, what would you, you don't get a fancy helmet, you just get a black hood and, <laughs> and it's, you know, 1733 instead right. of... 2155 <laughs> would you choose to be the executioner that does the axe beheadings the hangings the guillotine 
the drawn and quartered? Would you choose to be the switch man on the on the electric chair, the needle guy for the lethal injection? Which executioner would you choose? In that regard, I would choose to be the executioner that gets to do his job the, the least emotionally. So, one, his skill is not a factor because, like, if he flubbed up on the axe, then they're going to be like, well, that, that guy stretched his death out because he couldn't hit his neck, right? You know, so... If you, which one would be the less emotional? Do you think? Like, even if I'm I'm the executioner and I'm all a rage about what this person did, what's the most like black and white absolute death way of doing things? And my emotions just don't have to be affected. Or which one would you say? Well, I'm gonna once again I'm gonna play devil's advocate here and go the opposite direction. Yeah. I like it. I want it as motion as emotional <laughs> as possible. And I'm shooting for the worst case of PTSD possibly ever imaginable. I'm going to go with the most personal way of executing, and that's just a beheading by axe. Yeah. I don't want to have to play in this weird gray area where, right. well, it was the machine that did it. Like, I yeah. don't want to have to argue with myself like, oh, I fucking did I it. I did it. <laughs> I'm definitely a bad person. I love that. Well, and it, put it that way. Once again, I, I think it's good to be able to do it case by case. Let's just say we're both axe executioners. The, the, the nice thing about that would be, if I have some sympathy for the person that I have to kill, I would be skillful and quick. If I didn't, and I wanted to make sure this person suffered, I'd like, you know, hit him in the shoulder blade on accident the first time, you know, and like, oh, sorry. You know, wing him on the top of the skull really quick, you know. Make Which it we're long. getting ready to get into. Okay. Very common. <laughs> Very common. Not as uncommon as you might think. The level at which these executioners were bad at their job is alarming <laughs> it is alarming honestly the the way i would prefer to execute people that i really have a disdain for doesn't seem to be like a functioning way of execution you know a paper shredder how it, you put it through and it just like either dices one way or it dices and then just shreds all the all the slices you know right right yeah. i would start toe first and i would just make it so it just chewed them up little by little over the course of like... I, you just said you wanted as little emotional involvement as this as possible. That is the most graphic, <laughs> painful, and horrifying. That's way worse than what I said, which is just the head butchery. Yes, well, okay, so, but I qualified that with just for the people that I have the most disdain for. Like, if it were my job... Pedophiles. Yeah, and, and, and I would and whisper in their ear the whole time. Like, you know. Okay. I would, I would make it very difficult. Okay. People like, who like Aerosmith. <laughs> the way we're going to approach these botched executions is in, in order that we kind of started doing them, right? Now, we've been killing each other since we crawled out of the mud 150 however many years ago. I don't know. I don't, when did we start evolving from, from a lizard, fish, frog? I think it was into a, It's probably about the 60s. Okay. We have gotten creative with it over the over the couple thousand years that we've been doing shit and so I'm go we're going to be covering today just the most common ways which is beheading by axe that was a favorite in the early years beheading by axe and then we're also going to be covering the guillotine hanging the electric chair lethal injection the reason I bring that up is because we're going to be doing this in order from oldest to newest right mm -hmm. so that being said we're going to start off with the OG execution style, which is the old tried and true beheading by axe. Yum. You ready to do this? Off? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's kill it. Now, a few little things about axe beheadings. Fun fun thing about the job, being an axe executioner was the easiest way to get ahead in life. 
crap. I didn't even see that one coming. <laughs> right? Right on? Oh, that was a joke. It was actually, they were hated by everybody. They were paid very poorly. <laughs> really? Um, you yeah. weren't getting anywhere, no. That's a bummer. And uh, and even worse than that, it was it was kind of an inherited job. It was a family tradition, kind of. So it's like, <laughs> at some point in history, some poor bastard, they were like, well, what do you want to do? He's like, well, you know, my dad chopped people's heads off, and his dad chopped people's heads <laughs> off. And now I do, but I wanted to be a veterinarian. Yeah, his dad did it, and my dad did it, and... Yeah, yes, I'll do it too. Well, and like, what's a what's a lateral move? Even if you could, like, you, like you do that for a couple decades, and you're like, oh, I really want to get out of this business. Like, what's a lateral move from being executioner? Like chopping wood. Okay, good, good. I I was thinking more like circumcisions or something. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, chopping heads off. The first one we're going to cover is a, a young lady by the name of Mary, who was Queen of the Scots or Mary Queen of the Scots. And some of these older ones, I'm not going to go real deep into the into the reason why they ended up on the old chopping chopping block, because the to be quite quite frankly honest, it, it's boring. A lot yeah. of it is is political mumbo jumbo and yep. and many lords and treason and blah blah blah. It's not as exciting like Ed Kemper or you know Ted Bundy or no. any of that stuff. Oftentimes, the deaths when it came to especially royalty was strategery. You know that, or they, you know, did the thumb thing where they're like, "Hey, look at my thumb! <laughs> look, my thumb's gone." You know, that little trick that you show your kids, and they're like, "Which, which?" <laughs> I got your nose. They're like, no, no, no! Look, I'm trying to show you, and they're like, "Don't try to explain yourself, which." So it was pretty easy to end up on the chopping block back then. But Mary Queen of the Scots, uh, she had been held captive in England for 18 and a half years before she was sentenced to death for plotting to kill her cousin Elizabeth the First. Now, Mary, Queen of Scots, execution took place in the Great Hall at Fotheringhay Castle in Northamptonshire. Now, I want to paint a scene here. This is nobles, right? We got nobles. It's they try to make it as noble and as honorable as possible for the for the executed. Whenever it's high ranking people, so they try to make it extravagant and mm-hmm. and respectful, as or as respectful as you can be when you're going to be literally chopping somebody's head off. Yeah, it's not a lot you can. But they try. So they try to bring her out there, like maybe Hulk Hogan entered the ring in 1998. Yeah, there was a lot of ceremony. Yeah, it was very, yeah. it was very uh, Gucci. <laughs> Everything was very Gucci. Yes. Now the executioner Bull and his assistant knelt before her when she got up to them, and they asked for her forgiveness. Now this is typical for the executioner to request this, and uh, Mary replies, "I forgive you with all my heart for now." I hope you shall make an end to all my troubles. Oof. Yeah. Now, her servants, Jane Kennedy and Elizabeth Curl, and the executioners helped Mary remove her outer garments, so they're helping her remove her clothes for executing. Uh-huh. You don't want to get executed and feel all restricted and stuffy. No. Yeah. That's the worst. That's the worst. And whenever they did that, you know, they didn't strip her naked. They just got her down to her knickers. And okay. that's not a racial slur. Nick curse. Curse. Nick- and uh, so they get her down to, to, to more breathing clothes for executing. When she disrobed, Mary smiled and said, Never have I had such grooms before, nor have I ever put off my clothes before such company. So she was like <laughs> making a joke right before she was about to be separated from the rest of herself that she wasn't a whore. Yeah, I was going to say, she's trying to play off the fact that, was she a whore? No, she was I mean, in my research, and I did a lot on this particular subject, not the execution, but whether or not uh, Mary Queen of the Scots was a whore. In my research, she was she was not a whore, no. Well, that's good. 
So that's good. So so she was blindfolded by Kennedy, Jane Kennedy, her executioner, with a white veil embroidered in gold. Like I said, you know, we're we're keeping it very elegant, like she's like they're preparing her for a for a ball and not a beheading. So she's got this white veil embroidered in gold. She knelt down in the cushion, so she got they got a cushion for her knees in front of the chopping block, which is literally just a big block of wood. That's nothing fancy. It didn't have engravings on it, you know, made at Lowe's. Nothing like that. It was just a big block of wood. And she positioned her head on it, stretched out her arms. She she went down nobly. So mm-hmm. she's she plans on going down as a as a lady and with pride and, and dignity intact, right? Everything intact but her head. I think that's how all the ladies plan on going down. Uh, out. Da- out. Out out. She was out. going out. Yes. Now she's not a oh. No, nope. you know who was actually who Elizabeth the first was Elizabeth the first. Oh yeah, because she's the reason that this lady's she here in the first place. Maybe that's why she was going to kill her. Yep. So Miss Mary Queen of the Scots, she she puts her head down on the chopping block and raises her arms out. Her last words are, "Into thy hands, O Lord, I commend my spirit." So she's releasing herself to the God, to the to God, mm. to a God, the God, um, her her one singular God. Yep. This isn't. Nordic. <laughs> so, unfortunately, though, her intended noble execution went sideways and shitty pretty quickly because the first blow missed her neck and hit her in the back of the head. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, gosh. Thunk. So that blade just dunk. Right? <laughs> just hit her in the... Well, it, it laid her skull open a little bit and brains were coming out. Yeah. And then the second blow severed the neck, but not completely. So, so now we have a head that's been Pez dispensered. Right mm-hmm. at the back of her head's been Pez dispensered. The cranium is probably leaning forward a little bit. She got JFK'd there. Yeah, yeah. And there's probably stuff spilling out of the skull. And then the second blow doesn't cut all the way through. So now it's opening in two spots. And we've got a real mess here, and we're still not all the way through. Oh, so there's gosh. a little bit of sinew and and tissue that's still the head's just kind of swinging if you will <laughs> off the edge of the block and the brain is spilling out and <laughs> the the executioner just gets down and grabs the head and just like oh fuck i'm sorry i'm sorry the ah, egg on my face this is embarrassing i look like such a, a schmeckle right now <laughs> And he just takes the saw and he like cuts off what he can, right? Oh, so we're thinking, oh well, at least that's over. That was pretty disrespectful, but but at least it's over with, right? So afterwards, he's like, oh, Larry from the Three Stooges here <laughs> holds her head up, and he's trying to be respectful. He says, "God save the queen." And at that moment, what he's holding the head by, the head falls off, <laughs> and reveals that she had been wearing a wig. She was trying to hide. She was trying to say what little dignity she had, and the head fell out of the wig, and it revealed nobody knew, but she had very, very little what remained gray hair. Oh, my goodness. Left. So she made like thinning gray hair, and she had a wig thinning on. Thinning gray hair. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, this upset some people. Yep. Uh, people weren't happy about it. It really ruined her image. I would yeah. It's also noted that her lips stirred up and down for 15 minutes after her head was cut off. Oh, I don't know if you've ever went frog gigging. That's a big thing here in Kentucky. Mm, you ever been yep. frog gigging? Oh, yeah. Yep. I love frog gigging, and you'll probably know that when you cut a frog's legs off, they move around a lot and everything, even after they're dead. 
Yep. So this is probably residual brain firing. Yeah, you pull that nerve out, right? Yeah. On the frog. Um, did you watch that video that I showed Jack on that dark call? I did. That was yeah, amazing. That one. Yeah. You know, man, I've, I've, I, doing my research for this episode, I came across a lot of instances where there was seemed to be brain activity after a decapitation. We'll even cover one here in a minute. But I'm I'm on the fence. I think maybe there is something to that in some cases for a very short period of time. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think most of the time, see, when we induce someone being knocked out or anything, where the brain, you know, where we get we we get knocked out, most of the time it's because of a rush of blood or a or or, or you know pressure on the head. And we, we go out. Um, it's really hard to exsanguinate somebody's brain in a moment uh, and then see what's going on. You know, like the brain loses blood uh, right. instantly. So I, I'm kind of on the fence that I think electrical electrical functions still kind of kicking for a while. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of video out there that would prove that to be true. And for anybody wondering what video Op is talking about, this is this is exclusive to Patreon, which you can join if you would like to see it. But uh, him and Mr. Jack Luna watched a video of an execution where I, I'm not sure where it was. It was an obvious third world country and some yeah people speaking another language were having a bit of entertainment with the corpse of a man that they had just beheaded. And the man's head is gasping for breaths. And it's yeah. really crazy. And when Jack Luna saw it, he freaked the hell out. Yep. Well, he he said he said try to freak me out, and so I was like no, and he said yes, and so I did. Yeah. So yeah, they, it, the video doesn't show the beheading, but it shows the head laying on a dead like donkey or something, and then it rolls off onto the ground, and then like seven minutes later, it takes a tries to take a gasp. It's kind of it crazy. is, and it is like alarming. It, it, it's shocking seeing yeah, it because it you don't see it. It's like laying there, and then it goes. <gasps> Yeah, Just takes tries to get a breath, Just catches you off guard. <laughs> Oof. One one last thing about Mary, Queen of the Scots here. Uh, so they've they've chopped her head off poorly. They've held her head up. The head rolled out from the wig and revealed her graying hair. And not how long after that, her little dog that she loved dearly ran out from underneath her skirt. So she had uh. also taken the dog up with her and ran <laughs> off into the crowd, never to be seen again. I was going to say, well, at least the dog ran off and didn't like pull a McNutt. Remember that dog? It, it, <laughs> <laughs> lapping yeah. at the blood. Oof. It just kind of slowly backs back into the living room like, oh. <laughs> now now who's going to feed me? Now the next one we're going to talk about is a is a young lady. Not a young lady. An, an almost 90-year-old lady. She's not young. By the name of Margaret Pohl. Who, she was the Countess of Salisbury. Steaks. I was going to say delicious. Yeah. Yeah, and we made that. Salisbury, is, it's a place. It's a mm-hmm. place. But she was the Countess of Salisbury. Now, Miss Margaret Pohl, this is one of those inst- instances where the, the reasoning behind her beheading is long, boring, drawn out, and very political. But what it boils down to is her sons were guilty of treason. And, you know, what is treason back then? Anything. Yeah, everything. Yeah. Everything exactly. is treason. She didn't do anything spicy or exciting like Lorena Bobbitt. She didn't chop off. You know, King Henry VIII's member and throw it into a grassy knoll. Next to a 7-Eleven. Next to a 7-Eleven, yeah. And King Henry VIII was 
was the king during this time, and uh, his name comes up a lot when you're talking about executions. Mm. So they they slammed her with with treason, which was basically guilty by association because of her son's treasonous ways. They just kind of said, we'll just take her out too. First off, she shouldn't be here in the first place, right? There was almost no evidence of anything that she was being accused of. But prior to her execution, she was held in a tower for two years. And on the 27th of May, 1541, before they pulled her from her cell on the day of her execution, she had scribbled a poem she had written on the wall. And that poem read... For traitors on the block should die. I am no traitor. No, not I. My faithfulness stands fast and so. Towards the block I shall not go. Nor make one step as you shall see. Christ in thy mercy save thou me. Boiler alert. <laughs> Christ kind of stayed out of the situation. <laughs> he sure did. He did. You know, I was thinking about what you were just saying about the... Um, Treason and sons and all that. Back then, if you were a dude and you were royalty, somebody was threatened by you because if X guy dies, you may be in line for that guy's seat. But even more threatening than just an individual man uh, would be a woman in royalty because that woman could produce more offspring. And right, continuously right. threaten a, th- a throne or a seat or a you know dukedom or whatever you call it. And you have Duke, a reigning Duke monarchy. Pile. Yes. So kill the woman, kill the threat. Cut the head off the snake. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. And and there was a lots of you know doing my research on this. There's lots of lords and Lord Reggie Rays and <laughs> and King Billy Bobs and and <laughs> Prince Petey's and just there's so many. Titles, right? And it gets really confusing really quick. That's why I quit watching Game of Thrones. Yeah. Because I couldn't keep up with the names and the titles. By season three, I didn't know what the fuck was going on, and I hadn't missed an episode. Yeah. I, I didn't it know felt what very was much going on. Like, I, I, I ended up light loving the Lord of the Rings books and the movies, but I don't know if you were ever fi- ever this way, but I couldn't, for a long time, I couldn't read sci- uh, no, like fantasy books or, or like even the Lord of the Rings, because when you open it and there's a whole map that I have to study and every yeah, single... Yeah, why am I having to do geography? Exactly. Like, I'm just trying to read a book. I can't tell the difference between a dude's name and a city name. I'm I'm confused by page one. Yeah, that's, that's the way the whole country was back then. Now, there are two different stories as to why the execution of Margaret Pohl was fucked up. We don't know which one is true, but the ending is the same. <laughs> and either one, believe it or not, the ending is the same. Now, the first story is... That the professional executioner who had, hey, he had business in another town. He was busy that day. I don't know if he had to, if the, a Chipotle had opened up in the neighboring town and <laughs> he really loved Chipotle. That's one thing that could get me out of calling work on a, on a day. But. Maybe the executioners were also the ribbon, the ribbon cutters at big events. You know, like if a target launched in town, they, they're there to cut the ribbon. Oh, so they have like a happy thing to balance. Yes. The super negative thing yeah. that they have to do. They're both bladed bladed tool professional, you know, courtesies that, that they provide the community, but one is happy, one is not happy. And it kind of balances, and then you're just a boring, you, you're not, you don't have a lot of depression or anything. Exactly. It just kind of balances itself. Yeah. yeah. So the first story is the, pro- the professional executioner is out of town that day. He's busy, so they hire this blundering, goofy teenager to do it. And he had never done an execution before. Oh. But guess what? His first time is actually Margaret Pohl, the Countess of Salisbury. Now, this is like 
you being 16 years old and you working at Wendy's and some dude coming in and being like, hey, we're getting ready to take out Nancy Pelosi. Do you want to... <laughs> you up for the task? And and just to be fair, what's some right-wing version of Nancy Pelosi? Bob Dole. Bob Dole. Well, it's got to be a woman. Oh, okay. Uh, Republicans don't like women in office. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Uh, what's that one lady from... Alaska that was a senator and ran for president. Oh, uh, 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 oh, that, that, she was beautiful. Oh, uh, Sarah Palin. Sarah Palin. Oh. That's who. Oh, that was driving me nuts. Yeah. So they, they, they hire the 16-year-old. They're going to be executing, you know, Sarah Palin and Nancy Pelosi on the same day. Yeah. And they're like, hey, guy, can you, can you get away from the fry, <laughs> from the fryer there for just a minute? Take this 55-pound dull axe and go execute two nobles for us real quick and he's like pimply and he's like ah, I mean I guess I guess I can I gotta be back here at six though my mom's picking me up am I getting overtime for this or like I got dance class later so that's the first reason why this is the first excuse why the execution goes so bad mm. now the, the, another story is that the professional executioner was actually present but what happened was when Margaret gets to the to the to the chopping block she refuses to go down without making it a pain in the ass for everybody involved so she keeps <laughs> Turning her head Hang on. every which way. Hang on. <laughs> Did you just say Margaret refused to go down without making it a pain in the ass? I did say that. I did. That was something I said. You did say that. I said it. I said it. And I'm not taking it back. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> so they're they're putting her down. They're like, get down. So what she's doing is she she's old, right? She's almost ninety. She's 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 chest down on the chopping block, and she's like, she says, if you want my, well, she's really old, so she's like, if you want my head, you'll have to take it as you can. And so she's she's not she's like, you're not gonna, I'm I'm not gonna give you my head. You're gonna have to take it, big boy. Whoa, you big boy. She's ballsy. Big 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 <laughs> dick you're boy. Take it however take you it. can. I don't know if she said the dick part. Yeah. But she's like, so what she starts doing is she starts like gyrating and, and moving her head real quick like this right here. This like is an back execution that we're talking about? This is an execution. Okay, just, yeah. um, and she's visual. screaming. I just am conflicting visuals here in my head. And I'm moving, I'm making really fast motions like this, yeah, right? Oh, but but in it. reality, she was 90 and frail. Uh huh. So it probably was really slow. And the executioner was like, this, I mean, this shouldn't be much of a problem. You're, <laughs> I know you think you're moving fast, but you're... <laughs> She's like got, serpentine, serpentine. Yeah. <laughs> so she's a wiggling and trying to make it hard for him, uh, regardless of the reasoning. Oh, try to make it hard for him. I can't. Op is really all in on the sexual innuendos today. I'm so today. sorry. This is just like full court press on what is the going innuendo. To, did you take a? Did you take one of those gas station boner pills before we started recording? <laughs> Red Rhino. Why are they always so like? Somehow they always label those things, and I just picture this bulging, veiny neck. Like it's just gonna fucking pop. Like Red Rhino, furious alligator. They always just make you. They're really good at just. I don't know why, but those two words make me think of a really like hard dick that's just gonna pop. It looks. Like... My cheeks are really bad. Oh. Sorry, Op. Ugh. So, regardless of the reasoning, whether it be because it was a newcomer to the to the axe and head game, or because Margaret was wiggling about and jiggling and gyrating, yeah, 
he he it's we have the kind of the same ending as the as the last one. Only it wasn't just three whacks. They just go at her like a piece of timber, oh just God. whack whack whack, <laughs> and they just ha- they just hack her head and neck and shoulders all to shit. Oh gosh. And it kind of looks like by the time they're done Ugh. that she went head first into that giant paper shredder that you were talking about having in the beginning of this episode. Oh my goodness, her stamina must have just been apex. Wow. This is a 90-year-old woman. That's amazing. Is this necessary? You should be able to just scare her suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> and like, There's no reason to drop a 95-pound axe onto her head, shoulders, and neck repeatedly over and over and over. They just hacked her to bits. Yeah. Oh, that's just not good. I also feel like it should be really easy. Much. I feel like it would be much easier to decapitate an elderly person. Than it would a like young youthful person like their skin is thin yeah their muscles are atrophied are like old chicken breast yeah <laughs> yeah their bones are brittle yeah. I could definitely chop off somebody's grandmother's head in one swap I'm almost certain of it <laughs> pick so it didn't happen but would you agree it's it would be yes. easier to decapitate an old person I think well they're frail you know if you they got that weak neck I don't know if you've ever seen them they're always like their neck is their head's always like a fucking toddler. <laughs> Just a newborn baby. I think. I think as an executioner, you you could be professional and be like, "Hey, this person's wiggling too much." You just flip their axe around and just bonk, knock them out, and then you know get it over with. Game over. Yeah. So we agree. There's no reason to hack them to bits. No. Yes, I agree. Hundred okay. percent. Next cool. up, we're going to cover two at one time: William Russell and James Scott, the first Duke of Monmouth. And they were both beheaded. We're not even really going to be talking about them. We're talking about their their infamous executioner, the Axeman Jack Ketch, who was maybe the worst execu- executioner of all time. Now, Jack Ketch wasn't good at his job. He really uh, bumbled a lot of his executions. He hacked William Russell, Lord Russell as they called him, to bits with an axe before having to finish the job with a knife. Jeez. So he put down the primary weapon and went to his secondary carry. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Two years later, James Scott, the first Duke of Monmouth, would pay catch with gold pieces right before his execution because he had been present at William Russell's execution two years prior, and he was like, yo, please don't let that happen again with me. Yeah. If you could make this quick and painless, I would really appreciate it. Jack Catch is like, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. And then he does the exact same thing (laughs) to to James Scott. Jeez. Oh my gosh! James. Which is a ripoff. It makes you Worst wonder if he really it. was bad at his job or if he just enjoyed it. You know. Well, the people at the time they would use Jack Ketch as the name of death in replacement oh, of death, really? like the Grim Reaper. Ah. Yes. So he was a feared person. He was, and there are speculations that a lot of it wasn't accidental. So uh-huh. he was kind of a showman, if you will. Next up, we're going to be covering hangings up hangings. Okay. Now, hanging sounds straightforward enough, right? Throw a rope around somebody's head, toss them off a school bus or a target, <laughs> wherever you happen to be. <laughs> Simple enough, but uh, hanging, there's more science to that. And we're going to get into the art of hanging before we get into the hangings themselves that were messed up. Okay. Now, if the rope is too long, something interesting happens that not a lot of people talk about. What do you think happens if the rope is too long, huh? Uh, well, a couple things I could think. One would be they'd hit the ground, possibly. They could extend the rope too okay. quick you know the velocity would snap the rope or ah oh man i'm gonna even go out on a limb and say if there's too much velocity you could just pop the head right off 
That is correct. Ooh, ding, really? ding, ding. Oh, Pops wow. the head right off the body. Sometimes no. a little bit of the spine comes with it. Oh. Like a scorpion fatality from Mortal Kombat. Jeez, Just really? Pops that head right off. Like, oh. you know how when you... Have you ever had those little M&M minis? Yes. I'm sure you've got them for your kids before, right? Uh-huh. You know, you know how when you take your thumb and you... Like, yeah. Pop that... Yeah, you pop the top off of it. Right? Pop the top. It's the same thing. That's why it's that that quick. Oh, gosh. I wonder in that case off. if it's that quick, like that might be one of those scenarios where you stay alive a little bit. Oof. I, I don't, and, and there's no scientific evidence that backs that this is just what I, I, for whatever reason in my head, it has to be a clean cut. Mm. It has to be a clean swap. Yes. And I think it has right. to shock the brain. Like, oh, what, it has to, the brain has to have time to go, what just happened? Yeah. Right? Yes. No, I agree with that. It's like, it, it's actually, yes, I agree. Because it's like hunting. Um, when you're hunting, you want things to be quick and quick. The quicker, the better, because, yeah, that it actually, the body, the body will die quicker based on the shock. Yeah. Hey, uh, well, if you had to be executed. Yeah. If you had to be executed, what, what form of execution would you choose for yourself? Oh, uh, you know what I would choose? I would, well... I had to be executed because I was going to say I would just go in the garage and turn the car on because that you go right to sleep and it's pretty peaceful. No, that was never in the history. They never did that. They were like, and now we will march you to the Corolla. That's not it's never been said in history. Nope. Ever. Uh, Shoot. I'm going to go with a good old headshot. I think just give me a headshot. Firing squad. Yeah. Yep. I, I disagree with that. I'm going guillotine. Yeah, that's pretty the quick. The is so fucking metal, dude. Yeah, that's true. Wow, 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 That's the most metal way to go, but I don't want to go facing down. Yeah. I want to turn over face on my back. Up. I want to go face up. Ooh-hoo. I want to watch that blade come down. That'd be pretty crazy. Because I think the worst part of the guillotine is not knowing when, when it's coming. Right. right. I could see that. I could also... So, just to clarify on my firing squad, though, like... They they always have the firing squad squadron in mind with that, and they give one guy the real bullet. No, I want everyone to have a bullet. I want I want to be Swiss yeah. cheese by the end if that's going to be. Yeah, I, I want to. You know, it's going to be. It's going to be for certain. I guess. I guess. Well, I think they do that too. to kind of disseminate blame. Yeah, they do, and and no one goes away with guilt. But but no, I would want everybody to have a real real bullet. Okay. Okay. Well. Back to the art of hanging. Like I said, the rope mm. is too long. It rips the head off. But if the rope is too short, they just kind of strangle and kick and shit themselves and piss. Gross. And it's a long, painful death. Mm. That's why in 1886, the table of drops was invented, which was uh, a way to kind of properly calculate the length of rope needed depending on the height and weight of the person to be hanged. Huh. And that's been it's been altered on several occasions throughout history to, to, to better specifications uh, but the last main here's a, here's a good and I almost guarantee you'll get this wrong. Okay. When was the last man to hang in America? Mm. Do you think? Well, it seems like a pretty barbaric way to go. So I'm going to put it yeah, in the right? I'm going to put it in the I'm going to put it in the 1800s. I, that's what I would have said too. Yeah. Believe it or not, op, the last man to hang in America who to die by hanging in America could have used the internet if he wanted to. No way, really? He could have had an AOL America Online username. What? He was hung in Maryland in 1996. Oh, wow. 
Really? By yes. by choice, like that was his thing, or they just hadn't phased yes, it out yet? By, no, by <clears throat> capital punishment, they hadn't phased it out. They gave him the option of lethal injection or hanging. And I got to respect the guy. He goes, you can still do that? I fucking, I want to go out like Jesse James. Jesse James got shot in the back, didn't he? Yeah, he did. I want to go out like Boone Helm. <laughs> there you go, Boone Helm. I'm going to take a couple people with me. <laughs> I want to go out like an old Westerner, yeah, right? Wow. And I think I would do that. That If they gave you that option in 1996, I think I would be like, yeah, hang me. Yeah. What? That's an option? I can do that? You know, the only part, you know what I don't like about hanging and this is maybe this this is the I don't know what you call this the morbid side of me. I don't like I think for a sense of closure and finality for the victims. I don't like that they put a hood over the person and then hang them. I I would prefer to see if if they're going to hang them. I'd prefer to see that suffering on their face. One thing that I came across a lot doing my research on executions is they will give you a lot of leadway in how you prefer to be executed. So if you didn't want that hood on, uh they would let they would let you not have it oh, on. Okay, all right. So, as long as the result ends in you being dead, mm-hmm. they don't really care how it gets there. As long as like it, you want your hands, you don't want your hands shackled. You promise you won't put up a fight. Yeah. All right, Bill. Oh wow. Yeah, I'd want flailing and no no hood if I had to if I had, if I had my choice as to how someone should be hung if they have to be hung. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I can. A little dark, but that's okay. I just don't like those ones that are like trap door trap, and it's like badunk, and it's over, and then they kind of everybody just kind of you know galumps back home. Mm, nah. Yeah, but ideally the neck snaps and there's no kicking at all. Yeah, it's just lots out. That's true. True, because it's not a suffocation. Should not be a suffocation. The, the intent of hanging is to disconnect the brainial part of the body from the neckial part of the body. Yeah, it's supposed to be an immediate. If things go right, right, it's supposed to be immediate. Yep. Huh, crazy. One minute you're standing on a platform, and the next minute you're at a golden corral right outside the pearly gates. You know, now that we've mentioned it, now that you gave me that fun fact to know and share about the rope being too long, it's funny that we made the determination at some point that, no, that's not right for the head to pop off. Like, it almost seems like somebody be like, uh, that definitely worked. And then that becomes like the yeah. trend. Is this like, no, the longer the rope, the better. <laughs> because, you 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 know what I mean? I mean, if you're going to kill somebody using a rope, dropping them from a platform, it seems like that would be, it'd be like, yep, that Ideal. worked. <laughs> that worked. We ain't even got to take him down. Yeah. <laughs> Look, he's already down. <laughs> Scrub that rope up and, uh, you know, use it on the next guy. And we can save wood on the coffin. It ain't got to be as long. That's another fun fact that I found out about this. Oftentimes, the head was buried uh, between the feet. Oh, really? Wow. And I don't know why. Couldn't figure out why, but they would put it, yeah, between your ankles. Seems sort of insulting. Or maybe it was more Uh, definitive. That's how you died. It was like a post-mortem indicator. That's how you you died. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Because once all the viscera and everything is gone and decay has happened and everything... Identifying somebody by hanging or, or, you know, once once like the vertebra have separated naturally and everything, seeing a cut might not be as easily spotted, uh, you know, cut through the head. Now, those Delaware gallows were not dismantled. The hanging gallows weren't taken down. They didn't call an end to them until 2003. Oh, really? So there were gallows erected for possible use in Delaware 
until 2003. This is a first world country. That's amazing. Well, uh, okay, I'll tell you something along those lines that is embarrassing, and I won't say the name of the town, but when I was down in Mississippi, there was a town that had a lynching tree. Um, Many towns did, you know, earlier in the 1900s because of racial racial issues, racial injustices. Um, But this one had the lynching tree, but it had a plaque on it saying that it was the town lynching tree. And that was in 1997. So that's sad. What what town was this? Can't tell you. I'm not going to say. I don't. I don't want to. Because I think. I think that you know. Hopefully, it's removed by now. At least the plaque. Yeah, that's something you definitely want to commemorate. Yeah, that's what blew my mind. I'm like, really, really. (laughs) Why are we not just cutting this tree down? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Let's not put a plaque on it, please. Terrible. The next guy. Next fella. We're going to be covered. That's going to be hanging out here is William Duell. Now, this is not. Uh, it is an ex, it is an example of of an ex, of a of a botched execution, but this one has a kind of a different different spin on it. Now, William Duell was a seventeen year old English boy who was convicted of being an accessory to the rape of a young lady by the name of Sarah Griffin in Acton, London, in seventeen forty. Now, he was immediately sentenced to death and was hanged on November twenty fourth, seventeen forty, in Middlesex, England. So everything seemed to go as planned. His body actually hung for twenty minutes. Before being cut down, Dang. so he's hung. Everything, everything's going to plan. It's, it hangs out up there twenty minutes. You know, the hanging's over. People are kind of standing around. You know how after a movie's over, there's always the stragglers that are yeah. finishing their popcorn, or some guy's getting a hand job in the back row. Whatever. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't Whatever know. people do it. I imagine the executions were a lot like going to the movies then. Yeah, because they didn't have it was entertainment. Michael Bay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So his body hangs up there for twenty minutes, and then it's cut down. And they then bring it to the surgeon's hall to be anatomized. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Anatomized. For a medical training college. And that's that's pretty common back then for hanging for criminals. Mm. Their bodies are often kind of oftentimes kind of just tossed to universities. Do with what you wish. Yeah. Learn all you can. Uh just so we don't have to deal with it. Yeah, cadavers you know? were pricey. Hard to get a hold of. Yeah, challenge. Yeah. That's and that actually kind of Drove the the grave robbing industry mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah, body stealers. Yeah, grave robbers. So William is is stripped naked and laid out on a board for dissection. So they strip him. His wiener's all out there, and it's just he's laying out on a board. And <laughs> I mean, that's that. Yeah. That's uh, it. So one of the servants, he's he's kind of hanging out, like waiting for orders. You know, what do you want me to cut off first? And then he notices that the body starts to breathe Whoa. a little slow at first. Oof. Now, keep in mind, he hung for 20 minutes, Dang, this young man did. That's amazing. Body starts to breathe. The, breath, the breaths get quicker and quicker. Within two hours, he's alert and setting up. Dang. He survived the hanging. He hung for 20 minutes. He survived. That night, he was taken back to prison in Newgate. Oh, my gosh. Really? By the following day, William was 100% back to health, aside <laughs> from some... Obvious abrasions and stuff around his neck. And due to public outcry, authorities changed the sentence to penal transportation, which isn't what it sounds like. Yeah. That doesn't that doesn't mean cutting your junk off and taking it somewhere else. (laughs) It just means kind of taking you away from here to somewhere else to be somebody else's problem forever. You're never allowed back here. And in this case they brought him to here to the United States. Well that's uh doesn't seem like much of a punishment. Probably a lot of people over there were like, geez, I wish I could go there. Yeah, who do I have to kill 
<laughs> who do I have to kill to get a botched execution around here? So Billy, or, or I keep calling him Billy. His name is William, but I guess they probably called him Billy, right? Yeah, probably. Oh, Somebody Billy. Did. He died of natural causes in Boston in 1805 of old age. Holy cow, 65 years later. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And you talk about, you know, can you imagine that guy sitting in a bar having a drink and there's some cocky <laughs> 25-year-olds talking about how hard they are? And this guy literally survived a fucking legit hanging. <laughs> like, an actual hanging. Yeah, and confirmed that like, it's like 20 minutes long. It wasn't like, you know, the rope snapped and you ran away, you know. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Wow. He hung long enough to kill like like 12 people. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. Now, the next one we're going to cover is a, is a man by the name of John Lee. Born in 1864, he was a known thief. And in 1884, a spinster, an elderly spinster by the name of Emma Whitehead Keys, was stabbed to death in her Devon, England home. Now, John Lee was immediately arrested on weak evidence, and that evidence was he was the only man in the house who had a criminal record. John Lee was, was Emma Whitehead Keys's servant, and it was just kind of like, this kind of seems to be one of those class things. Right, you got a upper class person murdered. They just kind of point at whoever's the closest poor person. Yes, they're like, "You did it." They did it. And the guy's like, "I'm a quadriplegic. I don't I can't even hold <laughs> Which, which he wasn't a quadriplegic, by the way. John okay, Lee wasn't a quadriplegic. He was sentenced to death pretty much immediately, and he was due to hang in Exeter Prison on February 23rd, 1885. Now, three times the trap door beneath the scaffold failed. One time after that, they work on it a little bit. Failure. They'd work on it a little bit. They kept thinking. After after three times, the medical officer in charge of the hanging was like, "Hold on, there's some kind of divine inter- intervention here yeah. at play." It kind of seems like he had one of those Tom Hanks moments, and in, in the Green Mile was like, "What am I supposed to tell <laughs> our Lord when I look him in the eyes and tell him I hung one of our own?" You remember that part in the Green Mile? Yes. And John Coffey's like. It's a mad, it's a mean world, boss. <laughs> so they called off the execution. They were like, three times, we're calling this off. Lee ended up serving 22 years before he was released in 1907. So he got by pure luck, by the trapdoor malfunctioning. Wow. He became known as the man they couldn't hang, which I would say, I would go out on a limb and say is probably not entirely true. I say they gave it one more good time. Yeah. I think they probably would have been game over. I think it was more like the man they wouldn't hang because, yeah, like they were scared. Yeah. Use a Dremel. They were all looking up nervously. (laughs) Yeah. Next up, we got a fellow by the name of William Williams. Boring. Which is a shitty name. It's it's Billy Billy's. Double Willie. Bill Bills. Well, William Williams in 1906 was a, a young gay man who, unfortunately for him, got into a or tried to get into it. He, he befriended a young man by the name of John Keller, and William kind of took the relationship differently than John did, we'll say. He maybe picked up some, some hints that weren't there uh. and kind of got obsessive over John Keller a little bit, started sending him letters constantly, and Williams really wanted to have a relationship with John, but John wasn't really feeling it. Now, in 1905, in a, in a kind of a, a three-day binge of drinking and not sleeping. He sneaks into John Keller's house while he's sleeping and murders him and his mother while they're sleeping by shooting them in the head. And that happened on in April of 1905. 
He was sentenced to death by hanging at 28 years old. And on February 13, 1906, Williams was to be executed in the basement of the Ramsey County Jail in St. Paul. At that time, there were 32 witnesses present. And before the execution, Williams said from the gallows, insisting on his innocence, Gentlemen, you are witnessing an illegal hanging. I am accused of killing Johnny Keller. He was the best friend I ever had, and I hope I meet him in the other world. I never had improper relations with him. I am resigned to my fate. Goodbye. So he's he's saying, you know, <laughs> I really hope he's wherever we're going because I'm still kind of into him, <laughs> and and I did not have relation. I did not have relations with, with that, that man. <laughs> They're like, well, well, William, there was there's there's jizz marks on the red dress. <laughs> like, who was that? That was another bill, wasn't it? <laughs> All those bills. Was it a red dress that Monica Lewinsky was on? A, bl- a blue dress. Uh, wait, blue dress. Oh, that makes sense, because you know, I did not have relations with that man. <laughs> I did not stick a cigar up his ass. Seems like an odd thing to do to somebody you're infatuated with, though, you know? Just kind of kill them and everything. I guess it happens. Though. Yeah. It happens. Happens a lot. It does. Now that I think about it, it's not that uncommon. Strike my comments. Now, the rope that was being used to hang Williams was too long, and we already know where this is going. Oh, no. Its length had been miscalculated by Sheriff Meason, and Williams hit the floor after dropping through the trap door of the gallows. You thought Oof. you thought his head was going to pop I off, didn't so, you? I thought so, yeah. You actually got it. Got You went two for two when you said, what happens if the rope is too long? Because you said, well, I guess they could just hit the floor, yeah. or their head could pop off. Yeah. Wow, this is the other. Hit the floor. What kind of a drop is that? So he hits the floor. Like 10 feet? Well, it varies on the gallows. Okay, yeah. Some of them were like, I read some, that they, they went between 16 feet and just like a foot over the standing height of an, of an average man. Mm. But, you know, not, not ones to give up. The three of Meason's deputies, Sheriff Meason's deputies, they grabbed the rope. And they just pull down on it as hard as they can. And they just kind of lift him off the ground and he's kicking. And they just hold him. They hang him manually, essentially. Gosh. And he kicks for 14 minutes while all three of these assholes are just holding on to it as as hard as they can. Jeez. Can you imagine going home after that? How'd it go, honey? Jeez. It was a rough one. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. So the next up we have... Tom Edward Ketchum. This is also a hanging. And Tom Edward Ketchum was known as Blackjack, and he gave up his life as a cowboy in the 19th century America to go to crime. So he went from smoking smoking Wranglers and wearing Marlboros to just breaking into trains and, and doing Western outlaw stuff, right? He joined a gang and terrorized Texas and New Mexico, and like I said, he was robbing trains and doing murders. Mm. Doing murders and just living his best outlaw life but his uh his final little peak of excitement came in 1899 right right at the end that's actually right at the end you know i've been playing a lot of red dead redemption 2 oh I don't yeah know if you ever played that game haven't played it but i'm ex- i i want to just because the like you know the map is forever it is forever it's huge it's a lot of fun yeah if it's it's basically the way i would describe it is grand theft auto in the west yeah that's really all it is right that's all it is but uh, that game actually centers around this time period, 1899, because this is kind of when um, American outlaws, Western outlaws are kind of coming to an end. That era is over and the beginning of, of a new era, you know, a built-up America with laws and electricity and 
and new inventions is, is coming, but 1899, this is kind of, and we also learned this with, with, with Elmer McCurdy, right? This is another issue that El, he was late to the party. Yes, right. So 1899, he's still trying to do this cowboy shit, not cowboy, but outlaw, this Billy the Kid shit, but people are just kind of tired of it. It's, it's old news. It's not cool anymore. And he attempts to rob a train, but was instead shot by the conductor. The conductor nearly blew, it hit him in the elbow, nearly blew his arm off. Ooh. Blew his arm almost off his body. Really? He lays beside the tracks, bleeding out. The conductor just gets back on the train and pulls away and just goes about his job, <laughs> leaving leaving Blackjack there to, to bleed out. Fortunately for him, another train comes and he gets help, and, and that's when he's arrested. His arm is amputated, so he's one-armed Blackjack now. <laughs> and on the 26th of April, 1901, people come from all over to witness his hanging in New Mexico for train robbery. Now, no one in the county had any experience of carrying out a hanging whatsoever. This was all new to them. They're trying to stay in the modern age, you know, but we got a one-armed man here, and we've got to end him real quick. So <laughs> the rope they used, again, was too long, and unlike the first story of a rope being too long, uh, this is one of those instances where the second Ketchum reached the end of the rope, his lower half continued its descent, <laughs> And his upper half had came to had had finished its descent. I see. <laughs> the head was popped off the body like a Coke bottle tab. Just oh, jeez. You know, and that would not be clean either. That that's a whole lot of no. It's messy. That looks like spaghetti at the end of a at the end of the head. Yeah. Well, and all that it's, blood, the pressure. You know, it was just beating one instant ago. You know, it continues to just push stuff uh, out. You know, it's. Messy. All the, all the blood in your brain would drain out your your neck. Oof, that'd be messy. You know, in terms of decapitations, this is probably this would probably be the most disturbing to watch. Yeah, I would imagine. Yep. Keep in mind, there's a huge crowd here, right? People came from all over. This is a huge ordeal. People, they're eating baked potatoes, <laughs> and they're they got popcorn. They got kids on their shoulders. Like, oh, the show's about to start. The show's about to start. You know, they were very upset. Were they? When the head popped off. They were like, I brought my kids to this, and look, look, I can't believe this. They were outraged. It was like that the 1901 version of that Janet Jackson nip slip in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Only it was a decapitation. Right. Imagine if Janet Jackson, in the middle of singing that, Justin Timberlake had just turned around and <laughs> knocked her head off her body. That's the equivalent, the modern-day equivalent. It's the modern-day oh, equivalent, my goodness. Yeah. People were very upset. They came to see a hanging. They didn't come to see a decapitation. That's not what they signed up for. Right. They would have never brought their kids no. to see a decapitation. Of course not. They were here for some lighthearted hangings. <laughs> yeah. Now, fortunately for, for Black Jack Ketchum, his head was sewn back onto his body to enable viewing for his funeral. So that's fun. That's fun. Yeah, good, good for them to get it figured out in the end. That concludes... Our history of botched hangings, and there are more than there are many more than that, and there's also more botched uh, axe beheadings. There's so many examples of botched executions, thousands. It is way more common than you think, unbelievably more common than you would think. Uh. But uh, we're going to move on to the guillotine, the guillotine op, which is my personal favorite method of of execution. I would say I'm not surprised that that. Uh Botched executions are common. Nobody wants to publicize that, you know? Nobody would. 
and maybe maybe the the family of the accused but i'm sure whenever an uh, execution is botched especially before it was you know kind of more they were compelled to tell the media that it didn't go smoothly i'm sure so many of them were hidden you know well you'll find whenever things start getting more recent you know within the last 30 to 40 years Mm -hmm. what they usually start doing whenever shit starts going south if they can realize it before it gets real bad they'll pull the curtain yeah on the witnesses hide it yes It's like the the murder version of, you know, that thing that pops up on in a in a theater. It's like, let's all go to the <laughs> movie. Let's all go to the, let's all go to the movie. Yeah, dancing popcorn, and they're like, yeah. it's an intermission. <laughs> Refreshments are available in the lobby. <laughs> let's all go to the movie. Let's all go to the execution. <laughs> like that kind of thing. That's what that. That's a version. That, yeah. Now let's do a little. Little guillotine history here. Now it was invented in 1792 in France. Not a French thing, you would think. Something as badass as a guillotine. I, I'm I'm done shitting on the French. I'm sorry. <laughs> we did that enough in the in the Pappen Sisters episode. <laughs> They're hard people. They war they won World War One for us. Yeah, they uh well the the name guillotine is very French, seems like. Yes, it actually it is. It is. But it was invented in seventeen ninety two in France in order to make capital punishment less painful. And I would agree that that's exactly what it does uh, when it works correctly. Now, everybody knows how a guillotine works. It's basically two rails, two wooden posts. Very simple, very simple device, very effective device, but it's two wooden posts with a groove in it, and in that groove is set a large angled blade with a huge weight on mm-hmm. top of it. And and that's attached to a, to a rope that comes to a simple switch mechanism, and that's it. That's it, pretty that's basic. It. You just lay underneath it and, yeah. Yeah, now, fun fact about the guillotine. Originally, it wasn't a blade. It was just a massive hammer with a weight attached to it, and they just did these executions Gallagher style. Oof. I don't remember. I don't know if you remember oh, Gallagher. Yeah. The melons. Of all the melons and the hammer. Yeah, Gallagher, Gallagher that was his whole shtick. I, don't, I never understood the comedy behind it, but I loved it when I was a kid. Gallagher was a stand-up comedian in the <laughs> late 80s, early 90s. He would take a watermelon, put it on the put it on this this chopping block and just smash it with a hammer and everybody in the front row bought ponchos yeah. <laughs> and it was just so fun to get bits of watermelon or whatever gravy whatever he was busting on that block it was just that was the show that was the, that was the Gallagher that was the whole show that whole period of time the 80s were weird they were just weird uh, do you remember the the Rocky Horror Picture Show oh Tim Curry you can name anything Tim Curry I'm going to remember it the man is a genius and the Rocker Horror, Rocky Horror Picture Show is a staple in the Chungus household. Okay. Have, have you ever been to the theater to watch Rocky Horror Picture Show? Do you know what happens? No, but I would love, I would love to see that in theater. Okay. So in the 80s, especially, I don't even know if they do it anymore, but they would play the Rocky Horror Picture Show and people would come dressed up, but they'd come with stuff in their possession. And so like when, when the person would say, a toast, everyone throws toast at the screen and like it was like act, it was like you know everybody was involved. It was a weird time. A lot of food throwing. A lot of launching of food in the eighties. Not sure. Weird. So, like I said, the fun fact: it was it was originally a big hammer, and and it was ended up being too messy because they would just lay the person there, and then this giant weight would come down and just. And it was a lot of fun for the crowd. They, that's how it actually Gallagher got the idea. They would bring ponchos. And it was like, oh, here it comes, here it comes, he's going to do it. <laughs> then they would drop it, and the head would just 
fucking explode. <laughs> and they would like hold up their ponchos and they would go, oh, I got brain. Did you? And then they would rub their three year old. He'd have brain in his hair. He's like, oh, he got you. He got you. And they just laughed. It was fun. It was all just, it was real fun for everybody. But uh, they determined that that wasn't humane enough. And I just made all of that up, the part about the hammer. That was never a part of the guillotine history. Oh, good. I was like, I don't remember that part, but that's, that's quite, the, quite the historical footnote there. That would be fun, though. It would. There's an audience that would go to that. This is more humane. We'll just drop a giant weight on your head from 20 foot. Yeah. Just splat. That'd be good. In reality, it was the, the guillotine was designed and built by a French surgeon... And physiologist by the name of Antoine Louis, and named after a French physician by the name of Joseph Guillotine. Now, you're wondering probably why was it not named after the guy that it was made after? Now, for a while it was, but Joseph Guillotine was instrumental in passing a law that required all sentences of death be carried out by means of machine. So he was kind of the moving force behind the, the guillotine's notoriety and popularity. Now, previously to the to the invention of the guillotine, decapitation was reserved for, for rich and nobles. It was considered a fancy way to go. But now, because Joseph Guillotine made it cheap, everybody could get in on it. Like, it was it was a lot of fun. Like, everybody could do it. It's like mm-hmm. what I imagine Tesla will be like in, in, in 15, 20 years. <laughs> Even us peasants, yeah. we, can, we can get the guillotine. Yeah, see, or it's like, uh, it's like in the... It's like when uh, brownie mix was invented. Now, everyone can make brownies. You know, it's like... Everybody. Yeah. You don't have to be rich. No. To, can now, well, I, is that even a valid example? Was brownie mix once... Oh, yeah. It, okay, so let me tell you. It oh, changed, please do. It changed everything when baking mixes started to be made that you could get in a box because preparation of baked goods takes so long... But if you could go buy a box and add one egg and some water, bam, it just changed your whole day. Like, it was not hours anymore. It was minutes. It, cha- it changed everything. Oh, yeah. That might be the case, but they're not as good. Have you ever had, like, good homemade brownies yeah. where they're actually moist? Those those bad brownies in a box are always dry. It's like eating cocoa-flavored fucking newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> Which, to bring it full circle, I am sure... That there's some town somewhere in France where there was a guy that prided himself on his guillotine craftsmanship. So there was probably like, you know, the Rolex of guillotines. Now, the last guillotine beheading was carried out in 1977, and that was in France. And capital punishment was outlawed four years later in September of 1981 in France. So Wow. Okay, still the 80s. The 80s were wild. Wow. The 70s, it sounded like, were even more wild, though. Yeah. Our first guillotine victim here is a is a man by the name of Pierre Hebrard. And, you know, the guillotine failed a few times in its, in its history of chopping someone's head off. Most of the time, what would happen is they would go to release it, and it would kind of get... Remember I said it runs in a track? Mm-hmm. It would kind of get cockeyed in the track, because if you if you look at the way a, uh, the guillotine is designed, the blade is, is heavy on one end, uh-huh. right? And it's made for better cutting cutting motion as it's easier to go to cut through something if you start at one end and as opposed to trying to cut it all at once yeah right right but what that would because the weight distribution was off sometimes it would get cockeyed mm. the, the blade would in get the cockeyed track. and it would kind of lodge in the track I yeah that's pretty common yeah happened a lot 
absolutely horrifying probably if you're laying underneath it. Oh, just, gosh. Oh, oh, cool. oh Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> really? Hold on, we're having to restart the blade, Ned. <laughs> so it kind of did what my the windows on my 1989 Ford Escort GT did. Exactly. They, they, yeah. Seriously, it's the exact same logic. It's like the exact same principle, yeah. yeah. Very ineffective. Huh. Now, 35-year-old Pierre Habrard was to be executed by guillotine on September 12th, 1831, and at 6 o'clock in the evening at Place du Manage at Albi. The executioner dropped the blade three or four times without it fully reaching the condemned man. So three or four times it lodged, kept sticking on them. Hmm. It seems that the guillotine had been sabotaged. The population, the people watching the spectators, now pissed (laughs) that they have showed up for this show, Begin to stone the executioner who had to hide under the scaffold. Oh my God! They were like, "Boo! <laughs> Cut his fucking head off already! <laughs> Show your boobs!" <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. They they just turn their aggression. Somebody's gonna die today, and if you don't make him die soon, we're gonna stone you to <laughs> we're death. We're gonna do it. Meanwhile, <laughs> this story always makes me laugh. So. <laughs> Meanwhile, Abrard, the, the the guilty, the, the party that's supposed to be getting executed, he clears his head. Did He's he? like, oh, oh, I'll take a breather. He sets up. He sets up on the on the plate, right? Sets up. He's like, all right, well, I guess we're taking a recess here while they while they stone the executioner and find a new one. Jeez. The executioner's helper, who was a man of or a young man of. That, that really took initiative mm-hmm. and and really kind of grabbed the bull by the nuts. Is that the saying? <laughs> I think so. Accurate. Maybe it's by the horns. Yeah. He jumps up on the platform, armed with a, a meat cleaver, grabs Habrard by the hair, and starts sawing his head off. Oh, my God. In front of- <laughs> ISIS style. I don't know if they ever looked into it, but that young man sounds like a sociopath. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but he was successful. He ended up sawing Abrard's head off with a meat cleaver while the uh, the professional executor hid under the scaffolding trying to avoid being beat to death with thrown rocks. What a show. What so, a show. What a show. Worth every bit of the free that they paid to watch it. So <laughs> Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Next up, we're not doing a botched execution on this one, but it is an interesting kind of note in the history of the guillotine. And it was the the victim here is I keep saying victim. These are all criminals. These aren't victims accused. These are shitty people most of the time. Yeah. His name was Henry Langwell. And this is uh, uh, the example that I was talking about of of a head being alive. Mm. And and I'm just going to read the the exact report written by Dr. Bureau, who uh was the medical doctor there when Henry was being executed that has to determine that he's, yes, he's dead, no, he's not. I'd imagine that's a tough job when you're doing this at a guillotine, correct? Like, right, yeah. Do we need a doctor? Right. So uh, on the 28th of June in 1905, prisoner Henry Langwell was executed at the guillotine. There was It all went according to plan. Everything went clean and clear. And Dr. Burrow wrote this in his report, and this is all quote. All right. I'm trying to use my 1905 voice. Right. And I don't even know what that sounds like. So, (laughs) here then is what I was able to note immediately after the decapitation. The eyelids and lips of the guillotine man worked in irregularly rhythmic contractions for about five or six seconds. This phenomenon has been remarked by all those finding themselves in the same conditions 
As myself for observing what happens after the severing of the neck, I waited for several seconds. The spasmodic movements ceased. It was then that I called in a strong, sharp voice, Languil. And then I saw the eyelids slowly lift up without any spasmodic contractions. I insist advisedly on this peculiarity, but with an even movement, quite distinct to normal, such as happens in everyday life, with people awakened or torn from their thoughts. So the head's laying there. This guy yells at him his name, and the eyes open and look right, look him right in the eyes. And then, and then Dr. Bureau continues on. Next, Langwell's eyes were very definitely fixed themselves on mine, and the pupils focused themselves. I was not then dealing with a sort of vague, dull look without any expression that can be observed any day in dying people to whom one speaks. I was dealing with an undeniably living eyes which were looking at me. After several seconds, the eyelids closed again. I was at that point that I called out again, and once more, without any spasm, slowly the eyelids lifted and undeniably living eyes fixed themselves on mine with perhaps even more penetration than the first time. Then there was a further closing of the eyelids, but now less complete. I attempted the effect of a third call, but there was no further movement. Then the eyes took on a glazed look which they have in death. <laughs> that was really good. You did a good job with your accent. So so what happens is Langwell's head is separated from his body. The doctor yells at it t- two times. And the second time, the first time the eyes open, look at him and then close again. And the second time the eyes open. And this time he's probably irritated. Langwell is like, will you just let me die? Not. <laughs> I'm having a really bad time right now. <laughs> That's the last thing. If, if, if what he said is true, the last thing he had to deal with was somebody going. Imagine you just got your head off and somebody's going, operator. <laughs> and you're like, what? In your head, you can't talk because you don't have vocal cords anymore, but you're like, oh, what? I, <laughs> I like how he said that uh, the op- the eyes opened as if uh, you know someone was torn from their thoughts. Like this guy didn't have anything else on his mind right then. Like you know, yeah, everything. He has bigger fish to fry. <laughs> exactly. He has he has two seconds left of of thought for eternity. <laughs> he doesn't want to. And you keep interrupting him. <laughs> You're the friggin' last thing he's got to see. <laughs> yeah. Langworld. So next up, we're covering the Firing Squad. Mm. Firing Squad, probably, mm, probably a more boring execution. I would argue, not not that exciting. Gunshot wounds, unless large caliber, are usually not that exciting of of a wound in terms of you know with guillotine. There's a lot of showmanship, mm-hmm. and and with beheadings, there's a lot of theatrics. And a Firing Squad is pretty straightforward, but. Uh, the only one I could find interesting enough to cover on this on this podcast was a man by the name of Wallace Wilkerson. Now, in 1877, a fight broke out between a man by the name of Wallace Wilkerson and another man over accusations of cheating during a card game, and that very quickly led to Wallace just shooting the man in the head. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's fun. But There's- Wallace was found guilty pretty quickly and was chosen to be executed by firing squad rather than hanging. And on the 16th of May, 1879. Wallace was seated in front of the gunman with a target pinned over his heart. So they set him down, put a little X marks the spot. Hey, this is where you fellas are aiming for. Mm. This is where you need to aim. Now, at the sound of the countdown, Wallace, I would imagine that's a stressful, that's a stressful situation to be in, yeah. though. Yeah, right. I'd say 
blood pressure's through the roof. Even if you're a brave man, blood pressure's through the roof, heart's beating fast. Yep. Probably a little fidgety. A little bit, I would be. He sets up straight, and and because he had a shirt on, it kind of moved the target. The aiming point. Moved the target, right? All of the bullets missed his heart. (laughs) One of them almost ripped his arm off, and he tried to leap from the chair, screaming. He said, oh, God, they missed. And then he bled to death after 30 minutes. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Jeez. That's terrible. You ever heard of the term circular firing squad? That that sounds very Darwinistic to me. Yeah, that's the idea. It's, it's It's basically to define really stupid people. Like, you know, a community of poor judgment or whatever. Like, everyone's gonna die. <laughs> know your target and what lies behind exactly. it. Exactly. The- yes. <laughs> yes. Next up is electrocution. Electrocution. Now, one thing you'll notice about electrocution botched executions, they're all kind of the same. There's not a lot of different. Have you ever seen, you've seen the Green Mile, right? Off? Yes. Yeah. So you know the execution of the of the of the mouse man. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Delacroix, something. Delacroix, Delacroix. I can remember. I can remember them saying his name when they're right before they executed. Yeah. That depiction of a botched exec, uh, electrocution is is fairly, from what I've read and done research on, pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there are cases of flames shooting out from underneath the the black hood and skin popping, uh, fingers popping, almost like. You ever put a balloon? You ever put a hot dog in the microwave? And yeah. You know how it cracks? Yes. It'll, it'll kind of bust open. <laughs> Skin will do that in a botched execution. Mm. It will kind of sizzle and and crack open. Not all that uncommon. It seemed like there was electrocution, kind of uh, unlike some. Well, I guess maybe others had this too, other other forms. But there's definitely a learn as you go kind of thing with electrocution. Yes. Yes. You know? Yes. So, uh, you know, like I said, all of the botched electrocution executions are, are, are relatively the same. So I'm just going to cover one, and and that kind of outline can be laid on to pretty much every botched. The you know, it, it's always the same thing, no matter what you read. And there's a bunch of them, but the gist, the general idea is the same. Now, uh, one famous one, for example, William Kimmler, who was executed on the sixth of August, 1890. But the one we're going to be covering today, the the one that I've chosen, the outlier. The, is Jesse Joseph Tafero, who was executed on May 4th, 1990, in Florida. Now, during the execution, six-inch flames erupted from Tafero's head. Jeez. And three jolts of power. Three separate times they had to electrocute him uh, to get him to stop breathing. So God. he immediately turns into, they flip the switch, and he's he just turns into Ghost Rider. That's amazing. You know what's really amazing about that, not to cut your story, not to interrupt you, but, I'm, but I guess I am. Is we, our bodies run off electricity, right? Like, but have yeah, you ever, yeah. you know, have you ever overloaded a circuit and just like burnt out, you know, some piece of electronics, you know, just cooked it? You know, you're like, oh, well, that's gone. Yes, it's really hard to kill someone with electricity. I mean, it's not as easy yeah. as you'd think. Like, people get hit with lightning, and that's like billions of times more electricity than our body can handle. But somehow, our body's like, oh, I'll just pass this through, and we'll be okay. So weird. Now, like I said, it took three different throws of the switch. Now, the executioners for elect- for electrocution, the electric chair, were called switchmen. Mm. So they were the guys that threw the switch. Makes sense. State officials claimed that the botched execution was caused by inadvertent human error. 
it was because they had ran down to the dollar store and bought the sponge for the execution that goes on top of the shaved yeah. head instead of using a synthetic sponge. Something about a synthetic sponge draws the electricity more clean and better, whereas with the synthetic sponge that they had bought for, at the dollar store, it just kind of made an incomplete circuit and just really fucked him up and fried him more than it Ugh. I wonder if was that's, a direct jolt. I wonder if that's the difference between a natural sponge and a synthetic sponge. Like, I wonder if that was a thing. I wonder if that was the inspiration for the uh, electrocution scene in The Green Mile. Yeah. I would be curious to know when Stephen King wrote The Green Mile. Good point. Because this happened in 1990. Mm. So similar to what happens in that scene in The Green Mile that if you remember the little shithead, I can't remember his character's name, doesn't dip the, the sponge in water. Yeah. So it, it's it's kind of the same thing. This is a synthetic, a synthetic sponge instead of a, a natural sponge. You know what? You could be right because Green Mile was written by King in 1996. Oh, so I bet there was some kind of. And if you read if if you read this this execution on paper, uh-huh. it is very similar to what happened in that scene in the book and movie. Okay, yeah, very. It, it, it's almost. I mean, cut for cut. I could see that the way that they proved their theory on the on the synthetic sponge and the natural sponge is by sticking them both in a toaster, just a common household toaster. And going, look, the synthetic one smolders and catches fire. (laughs) So scientific of him. Moving on to the gas chamber. And we're only going to cover one because gas chambers executions are are boring by nature. Mm -hmm. Right. By design. No offense to Auschwitz. (laughs) Or, Or all offense to Auschwitz. Oh, yeah. All offense. The gas chamber just tends to be uh, a little bit less exciting and, and the only, the only example of a botched gas chamber execution that I could find entertaining enough to, to include in the podcast was a, a, a man by the name of Jimmy Lee Gray, who was born September 25th, 1949 and was executed on September 2nd, 1983. Mm-hmm. Now, he was convicted for the murder of a three year old by the name of Duressa Jean Scales in 1976 after kidnapping and sodomizing her. So this is a really this is a real shit bird. Real piece of shit, and it's good that what is coming for him comes, in my opinion, wish it could have lasted longer. At the time of this murder, whenever, so whenever he murdered Duressa, he was out on parole after serving seven years of a 20-year prison sentence for the murder of his 16-year-old girlfriend, Elda L. Prince, in Parker, Arizona. Okay. Now, he was, like I said, executed in 1983 by the state of Mississippi in gas chamber, and he became the first person to be executed in Mississippi since 1976 when the death penalty was reinstated. At the time of Gray's execution, the gas chamber used in Mississippi had a vertical iron bar directly behind the MH chair. So they set him down in the chair. I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of a gas chamber. It's kind of a corner booth, almost looks like a sound booth you would record podcasts in. Yes. And it's got a chair in there, very simple setup. You sit down, you strap down, and then they pump the gases in, the toxic gases. Okay. Now, the one that, that Jimmy Lee Gray was sitting in had a, had a long bar that kind of anchored the chair to the floor and the ceiling, and it didn't have a head pad. So his essentially the back of his head is resting on a long iron bar, right? Okay. So there was no headrest or strap used to restrain his head. So his arms and legs, torso are restrained, but his head isn't. And when they begin pumping this toxic gas into this booth, he starts violently thrashing his head around and banging his head against the iron bar behind him. Oof. And he beats himself unconscious and then dies from the... So it was apparently a pretty... 
gruesome scene Ugh. for all those involved. Jeez. Imagine just watching a man watching a man beat himself to death on the bar. Um, he was clearly in a lot of pain, which is a good thing. And it took eight minutes for him to die. So that's a good time. This is one of those things where, you know, I think politically and I don't know, I guess ethically, you know, it's sort of like we don't test our products on animals. You know, the these things don't get trial run on humans to make sure of their efficacy. And so the first time they get they they're, they're put into into play, it's on humans as basically test subjects, you know, which is just yes. a headline waiting to happen. I would, uh, I don't know, I would much prefer that there be some kind of like volunteer system, you know, criminals who want to die. They're like, yeah, you know, part of like part of a trial where they can they can make sure that you know they they've cranked out fifty executions in some kind of like trial study before. You know, using it as law, yeah. part of the law. You yeah, know? We, we don't even use deodorant before testing it on exactly. pigs. Exactly, like, right. I mean, it's weird. You know what's something? We're getting ready to talk about lethal injection, and you saying that made me think. I think Jack Luna brought this up at one point, but why do they clean the part that they insert into the arm <laughs> with alcohol swabs before they kill the person? <laughs> don't want that infection. They're not going to die of an infection. That takes, like... A week, I would if, right. if I know I know you're asking sort of a rhetorical question, but I would say I know why, and that is doctors have to follow the Hippocratic law. And yes, doc- doctors aren't allowed to do that legally. It, oh, that's true. They can't. They can't do it. I want, they can't. Yeah, it's never a doctor that does the executing, even in lethal injections. Uh, do they do the setup though? I mean, is it an anesthesiologist? I think or that something? they're there as advisors. Okay, I didn't go. I did learn that while I was doing this episode. Mm. But the, it's never a doctor that does the lethal injection. It's just kind of a Joe schmo. Okay, so my guess would be if a doctor because of the oath that they have to take, right? The Hippocratic oath, which is first do no harm. Um, if they're advising, I would assume that the doctors' union or whatever the Hippocratic nation um, has imposed that to, that says, hey. If we're going to oversee this, you're going to follow protocol. I would guess. Yes. Not that you were looking for yes. a real answer. <laughs> that makes sense for some reason. Yeah. I, I just blue blue tape shit is fucking stupid. Or no, that's red tape, isn't it? Red tape. Red tape. Yeah, red tape. Red tape. So, like I said, we're covering lethal injection, and I'm going to cover a little story here real quick, which is another thing that came up time and time and time and time and time and time again when when looking up botched lethal injection executions. And I'm just using this one as a as a blanket to cover all the ones because it's all the same. And what happened on August 20th, 1986, in Texas, the condemned man by the name of Randy Wools was to die by lethal injection. Now, he had been a former drug addict, and when they strapped him down, the technicians couldn't find a usable vein for the execution, and he had to help them. And oh, really? Uh, let me, Oof. Because uh, I guess whenever you use heroin and everything over and over and over it does something makes it really hard for them to find a place to go it trashes your veins and this is something trashes your veins Mm -hmm. and this is something that I came across a time and time and time again while doing the research for this episode Romel Broom on September 15, 2009 in Ohio was a failed execution failed not botched and it's pretty much the same thing in an effort to find a suitable vein in order to execute Mr. Broom after two hours they finally gave up. Really? Wow. And the execution was terminated. 
During the failed efforts, Romel winced and grimaced, and after the first hour's lack of success, on several occasions he actually tried to help them find a good vein, just like Randy Wools did, but they were unable to. He's like, for the love of God, stop sticking me uh, with those needles. I'm donezo. Just, just get it. Where is that executioner that had the butcher, the meat cleaver? Bring him. I'll, I'll happily take that up at this point. Uh, that's funny. He starts crying at one point, which is kind of sad. Aww. For the love of God, just feel kill bad. me, please. Feel bad for just stop. Yeah. You know, here's the other thing. He, he, uh, here's the thing that I will say right now on that is what makes me mad are the, the audience that's allowed to see the executions and that oh, so many times their emotions are overplayed and then you know everybody becomes overly emotional because they're like it was so hard to watch or it was not just or or you know you know or just the person that's like i'm just so glad that they're dead and all that i'm the thing that frustrates me about that is like no one is prepared to see a death and yet we allow we allow we you know we're we're careful about who comes in a courtroom during a trial yes but 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 we'll let we'll let uh, victims families and the the family of the accused watch the death come on really and then and then you expect to not have a bunch of like people just rushing out of that building you know with this memory in their head that that no one should have to have it seems weird well, that just brought up uh, another thing that I came across a lot doing the research, and 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 a lot of those failed electric chair executions. Uh-huh. The smell would bacon. The smell of burnt bacon would. Oh, because really? We are, we are most clo- closely related to uh, in terms of how our bodies react to damage and yeah. everything. It's most like a pig. Okay. It's like, and our meat is like pork. I can see that. So they say that a lot of times those burning executions smelled like pork and everybody would just be vomiting oh. all the witnesses they would just <laughs> just inhaling the the killer that killed their loved ones just he got them one more time just, just right in the nostrils yeah yeah oh my goodness that's funny so romel broom his, his execution was finally stopped by ohio governor ted strickland like i said they were they were ordered to stop they uh, announced plans to attempt the execution again after one week so the physicians could be consulted for advice on how the man could be killed more efficiently, but that never happened. And as of as of March first, two thousand eighteen, which was the last time I was able to find Mister Broom, he was still on death row, and that and that was nine years after that God. failed execution attempt. Really? So you could see a picture of him online. He has bandages on his wrists, on his hands, on his and in his elbows, on his feet, really, on his oh on the inside gosh. of his arms. He looks like a mummy. They stuck him so many times. It makes you want, like, God, it seems like, hate to say it, but I wonder if there, there's, like, a lawsuit there, you know? There has to be. There has to be. There has to be. There have to be. Jeez. And I was able to find 51 cases over the last 40 years of botched lethal injection and electrocution executions in the United States alone. All of them, like I said, were relatively similar. Blames, not being able to find a vein because of drug use, et cetera, et cetera. And that kind of that kind of wraps up our episode here on botched executions. Now, much like the bog body stuff, there are there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of examples of this. This could be a running series if 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 the listeners like it, just let us know. Yeah. And and a lot of people like the bog bodies episode. We'll probably do another one of those in the future at some point. And that's it for botched executions. Wow. 
That was actually really interesting. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I love history, so I love things like that. Well, I, I, I don't love things like that. I mean, I'm intrigued by things like this. You know, it was a lot of fun to research. I'll bet. I learned a lot of, lot of, lot of fun stuff. Yeah, I like. And it. before we go, you know, I'd like to say we don't do this often, and I'm not going to do this a lot. I'm going to do it on this episode. If you could just go and and rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever. You listen to this, blah, 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 blah. Don't forget to write, write subscribe. <laughs> um, all, all that shit. Yeah. You know the shit. All the stuff. All that shit. So we can become rich and, you know, just be better than everybody. Be better than ever. And you know what? If you feel compelled to have to give us a one star, that's okay, too, because... Remember, iTunes ratings are anonymous, except for your username is on there. We always post your terrible one stars to social media, and we all just dogpile on you. So feel free. Either way, yes. we're good. We're good either way. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you just threatened. I just threatened the our, listener our listeners, base. <laughs> which is always gets a good reaction. So now I'm excited to see what happens on iTunes. <laughs> No. Like I said, don't forget to wait and review. Don't forget to subscribe. You can almost read that script right word for word every fucking podcast. Okay. Don't forget to join our Patreon. Blah, 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 blah. Oh you my know. gosh. Well, that was a lot of fun. So uh, you've set a new bar for yourself, I think, there with that one. So tomorrow, just come prepared when I call you for something better than that. No. Uh, it's No, probably. Okay. Just yeah. Okay, not tomorrow, but within 24 hours. So I've got, it's, I've got 20, do you know how long it took me to write that? I'm guessing, well, I think if you took out all the other things that you probably did, all the lollygagging and everything and staring at and crying and all that, probably you could have this done, another one in 24 hours. Don't you think? I'll, I'll, <sighs> I read the book, How to Influence People and Win, Win Friends, and this is, I'm using one of the tactics, which is positive affirmation and challenge you call that influence yeah yep works every time uh, all right i'll talk to you tomorrow I'll all right hey hugs uh, what <laughs> what